0: Uh, to the scripture, let me ask you, please, uh, to pray with me. Father in heaven, um, again, uh, uh, overwhelming to think that we have the very word of God in our hands and before our eyes. And so we pray that you would allow us, enable us, cause us to tend to it as we ought. And so please, I pray, now enable us to focus and to think, and, and that this word would prepare us for coming to the table even, and that that would prepare us for life. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn please to Luke in chapter 9, Gospel according to Luke chapter 9. I want to begin uh, with verse 51 and read through verse 62. We read some of this last week. I want to finish it, pick it up this week as well. So Luke in chapter 9, please. This is the word of the Lord. When the days drew near for him, that is, Jesus, for the, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered the village of the Samaritans to make preparation for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them and they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To the other he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. But another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, I find this passage always have, especially the last bit, rather perplexing. Because if I simply read to you uh, the responses of each one of these folks that met jesus uh i i don't think our initial response would be to respond the way jesus did for instance if someone i hear that someone comes to jesus and says i'll follow you wherever you go i would think that would be desirable i would think that's exactly the profession that uh, a person should make of jesus we sang it a minute ago uh we think that 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 would be it or, or the one who said um uh i will follow who said uh, after jesus said follow me he said, "Lord." Uh, let me first go and bury my father. I, I think that would be uh, rather commendable. I mean, it, it's a good thing to tend to your parents, especially uh, your father. And I think that would be, would be good. Uh, and then uh, the third one who said, I'll follow you, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Again, if we're going to follow Jesus and leave everything, uh, I think it would be understandable for a person to say, I'm going to go say bye you know, if a missionary gets called there. We always have a party, right? To send them off. And so they're saying goodbye to us. We don't know when we'll see them again. And so that seems to be understandable. But but Jesus has an edge to his response. He reacts to every one of them in, in ways that I, I find I find surprising. And so the question is, well, why does he respond this way? How do we understand uh, his response to these uh, to, be, to these individuals? And and first, I think it's helpful to note, of course, that Jesus is responding to particular people at a particular point in time, uh, that, that first and foremost, it's, it's, it's for them. Now, it's for us, too. Uh, Luke, when he did his research, uh, learned about this and wrote it down and said, this is important for people to know. And so, it, obviously, it's carried on all these centuries, and here we are reading and listening and, and learning as well. Uh, but, but it was first for them. And so, we can say that Jesus was responding to them, uh, and he knew their hearts, just like when he responded that a rich young man who came to him uh, wanting to inherit eternal life. And what do I do for that? And Jesus said, sell all you have and give to the poor and then come and follow me. He knew that particular man. Now, there's a lesson for all of us in there, but he, but he knew that particular man's heart. And so he knew how to get right after him. And so so Jesus, as the scripture says, know the heart." knows the hearts of men. Uh, many times we read through the gospel, uh, we read this expression of Jesus. He knew their thoughts and so in the mystery of the incarnation even though he shares in our weakness still he knows us better than we know ourselves and so so he has exactly what's right to say to these particular to these particular people and uh, so he 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 says it but not only that could i put it like this then responding this way jesus knows who he is and he knows his worth And he knows the value of following him. He knows he's the son of God. He's the creator of all that is. And he's the redeemer. And so he really knows that he is the only one. Faith in him. He is the only one who can satisfy really. The longings of our hearts. That no one else can do that. Nothing else can do that. And so when he calls us to follow him. He he knows what he's doing. He knows that. That to follow him, really follow him, is to have the longings of our hearts to be reconciled to God and have peace with him. The longings of our hearts to know we're accepted by God and loved by him. The longings of our hearts to know that our guilt, that real guilt that all of us know we have before God, whether we're willing to, uh, to, to, to admit it or not, we, as the scripture says, people suppress that truth. All the time, we, we spend a great deal of energy pres, suppressing it, but it's, it's really true. And so Jesus knows that the only way that that guilt is going to be able to be dealt with is through him and by believing in him and following him. And so, so, so he, he knows what he's after here. He knows what's going on. He knows his value, if I could put it that way. He knows his worth to us. And he's saying, come and follow me exclusively, right? And he knows, too, the value of the kingdom of God. He knows the value of this kingdom into which he gives us entrance into by this new birth and by faith. He knows the value of the kingdom, his rule in our lives. In fact, Jesus, in speaking of the kingdom of God, he said, he said the kingdom is like this. It's like a situation where a man is walking in a field and he finds a treasure. In the field and he buries it and he goes out and he sells all that he has to get enough so that he can buy the field. Now by that Jesus isn't saying we can buy the kingdom of God. He's saying it's, it's worth everything. And so, so don't miss it for a minute. But it, it's that valuable. What he says. It's like this pearl that a man finds, this merchant finds. And he sells everything he has to get it. It's the pearl of great price and he says there's nothing like it and so the kingdom of god is like that so jesus knows the worth of the kingdom of god he he also knows this he also knows uh that 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 this is an exclusive thing to which he's calling us in other words that, that that there can be no other master just him and so really, to, to live in this kingdom of God, to know Jesus really, to follow after him, is to leave everything and everybody else really behind. And he wants to make that, that point for us. He wants to make it uh, so clear to us. And he knows, of course, that the, to follow him is to follow him to Jerusalem. Remember, he said he set his face like flint to go to Jerusalem. And you remember, as we talked last week, he sent his face like flint to go to Jerusalem to die. So he knows the mission. He knows the mission. In proclaiming this kingdom, he knows that when we proclaim it that it and live it, it may well put us at odds with the culture in which we live. Saying, Are you sure? Please understand this is what I'm calling you to. This isn't the broad road I'm calling you to. This is the narrow one. He says, people will speak against you, even falsely, on account of me. People will hate you because you're related to me. Because they hated me, they'll hate you, and no servant is greater than his master. He so said, I want you to understand that. I want you to serious up a bit. I want you to get what it really, really means to follow me. In fact, on one occasion, and Luke has it earlier in this chapter 9, it's very familiar verses, at least to us. Uh, Verse 23 of Luke 9. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, as we've said so many times, when Jesus said deny himself, he didn't mean deny things to yourself. This isn't some kind of Lenten fast where we're just sort of denying ourselves something. He's saying, I want you to deny yourself to yourself. I want you to de- deny the old self before I redeemed you. I want you to deny that. Remember, when, when, when Peter denied Jesus, what did he say? He said, I don't know that man. And so there's a sense in which we look at, at our old self, if you will, if I could put it that way, our, our self before we're born again, our, that self before we come to faith, that, that self before we, we begin to follow Jesus. And, 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 and we look at that self and we say, I don't know that. I have a whole new identity now. And we're to deny uh, ourselves that self that's addicted to ourselves, that sees everything in relation to us. And, and everything uh, people have to to, to to say it the way we want them to say it and act the way we want them to act and, and behave the way we want them. We want to be king of our kingdom, you see. And he says, no, 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 you need, to, you need to deny that self and take up your cross. And when he says take up your cross, he's saying the same thing. He's not saying three different things here. He's not saying, A, uh, deny yourself. B, take up your cross. C, follow me. They're, they're all three ways of saying one thing. If a coin had three sides, I would say it's three sides of the same coin. But you know what I mean. It's it's all there. But so when we we take up our cross, it's a a symbol of execution. And she says, the old self's got to die. That the new self can live. You've been crucified with me. You've been raised with me. So kill the, the old man's gotta die. That's why Paul uses this, picks up this language in Colossians chapter three, uh, the old uh, King James, which I memorized as a kid, was mortify the flesh, or put to death the, you know, the, the, the sinful nature, right? Put it to death. And then, that means, when all that's happening, you're following, you're following me. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a uh, Lutheran pastor, in uh, Germany during the Second World War. Um, uh, quite well-known recent biography. It's a good one. You should read it if you're a reading, reader of biographies. But uh, um, well, when the war began and started, uh, friends of Bonhoeffer knew that if he was called to serve, he wouldn't. And they were afraid that if he wouldn't, he'd be in trouble. Ironically, he was ended up killed. But 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 they were afraid. So they, they, they encouraged him to come to America, which he did. He took an appointment uh, at uh, a seminary in the U.S. Uh, but just for a number of weeks, because once he got here, he realized he couldn't stay. He couldn't be apart from his people. He had to go back. And, and his sense was... Even if I die, I have to go back. I have to serve God by serving my people uh, there. And so he went back and he was eventually killed. Um, In his book, The Cost of Discipleship, he puts it like this. He says, the cross is laid on every Christian. The first Christ suffering, which every man must experience, is the call to abandon the attachments of this world. It is that dying of the old man which is the result of, this, of his encounter with Christ. As we embark upon discipleship, we surrender ourselves to Christ in union with his death. We give over our lives to death. Thus, it begins. The cross is not the terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing and happy life. But it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. And then here's the line that offers. Most known for when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. It may be a death like that of the first disciples who had to leave home and and work to follow him. That is, they left everything behind to follow him. That is a death in that sense to to that previous life. Or it may be a death like Luther's who had to leave the monastery and go out into the world. But it's the same death every time. Death in Jesus Christ. The death of the old man at his call. Jesus summons to the rich young man was calling him to die. Because only the man who is dead to his own will can follow Christ. In fact, every command of Jesus is a call to die with all our affections and lusts. But we do not want to die. And therefore, Jesus Christ and his call are necessary are necessarily our death as well as our life. The call to discipleship. The baptism in the name of Jesus means both death and life. The call of Christ sets the Christian in the middle of the daily arena against sin and the devil. Every day he encounters new temptations. Every day he must suffer anew for Jesus Christ's sake. The wounds and scars he receives in the fray are living tokens of this participation In the cross of Christ. You see, Jesus was going to Jerusalem. and Going to Jerusalem, he's going to die. He was going to die on a cross. And he set his face and he said, All right, if you want to follow me, set your face. Just like mine. Set your face. Like flint, as the prophet Isaiah put it. Stone, don't, 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 don't waver. Don't, 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 don't go to one side or the other. Just continue. Continue to follow me. Your death will be different than mine. His death was an atoning death. Our death is in response to that and, and with him. And we put to death all that is past and live on then in newness of life, as the creeds always put it. In newness of life with him. And that's what we do. So so that's really, if you can get your head around that. I know that's a lot in the first 15 minutes of a sermon. Now, I know for most people that's it, but that's just the first third, right? But we uh, but just get that. Then, and understand the context of, 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 Jesus' encounter with these various, these various ones. So the first one comes to Jesus, the first person comes to Jesus, and he says to him, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. And, and, and again, I, I, I would think, you know, if someone, if one of you would come to me after the service and say, I want to follow Jesus, say, that's great. I'll follow him wherever. You are. That's great. I'm, you know, we're signing you up. But but Jesus, you know, he he says, "But do you know what you're talking about? Do you know what you're talking about? I mean, do you do you know who I am? Do you know where I'm going? You know, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Do 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 you really know what it means to count the cost? I mean there's a little bit of hubris a little bit of overconfidence I think and, and as I sort of mentioned in my prayer I was struck as we sang that last song about I'll follow you you know I'll run with you and all of that when I when I sing a lot of the songs that we sing I'm confessing at the same time I don't know if you can do two things at once in your head but but uh but uh I I I I, I these words come out of my mouth uh of aspiration if you will and and insp- and I think oh really what did I just say? All right. And so you think about this, this person saying to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. Oh, great aspiration. Great desire. You, were. But Is that really true? I mean, sometimes people come to me and they say, Bill, if I only knew what God wanted me to do, I would do it. Now, I don't usually say this because they're usually in a desperate strait when they say that. But what I'm thinking. So just in case you ever say that to me, you'll know what I'm thinking. right? I won't say this. What I'm thinking is, really? That's all it takes? <laughs> because at least in my life, there are times when I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. And and I don't. Right? I know I'm supposed to forgive, but it might take me a while. I know I'm supposed to love and forgive, and it may take me a while. So so that's a little presumptuous, we could say, uh, to say, oh, i Follow you wherever you go. And I think so. So there's a little bit of of perhaps curbing of that here. But but it's more than that. Really, Jesus saying to this man, "Do you really understand what it means really, really to follow uh, after me. I mean, clearly he could have been very enthusiastic, enthusiastic because because he had seen the miracles of Jesus. Who wouldn't want to follow a guy who can do that? And, and, And the authority with which Jesus spoke was was just amazing as people watched him. He can they, they, he speaks with authority like no one else has authority. And we know authoritative teachers, but, but but Jesus is different than that. And and when he teaches, you know, demons pop out of people. I mean that that's the authority with which he comes to teach and the healings and all of that and the and the promises about a kingdom, a kingdom of God that Wonderful. And, and, and people in our own day, I mean, the, you can run an enthusiasm really about Jesus, uh, uh, about not going to hell when you die. That's a great promise, right? Uh, not being judged, forgiveness of sins. Uh, having a community of people to live in, uh, generally nice people, uh, and, and, and having good work to do, things that bless other people, so you can really feel good about yourself in the midst of all that. You're helping people and giving, and, and you're in a community of giving and loving and all of that. People are helping you with your own needs. What a great community to be in. Uh, and and then, then promises of righteousness, this kingdom to come, promises of righteousness and justice, and, and pursuing that in the in the world in which we live. Great attraction. The people, but then you have to ask the question, do you really know, do you really understand, do I really understand what it means to follow To follow Jesus? Jesus comes and says, you need really to count the cost. We, we see this illustrated uh, when Jesus was in, was in Samaria. You know, he was there and he was on his way to Jerusalem. He had set his face to go to Jerusalem. And when the Samaritans found out that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, they said, you can't stay here. Because, of course, we know the difficulties between the Samaritans and the Jews. The Samaritans only believed that uh, the Bible, the Old Testament at the time, was authoritative from Genesis to Deuteronomy. And so they worshipped on Mount Gerizim where Abraham and Jacob had, had, had worshipped and even Moses had Renewed the covenant with the people. But of course, the Israelites worshipped in Jerusalem uh, because that was where God had revealed the temple was to be built and was. And so there was this big hullabaloo between them religiously and other matters as well. And so there was great division. So when Jesus was in Samaria on his way to Jerusalem, he thought he was going to be able to find accommodations. But once they realized so they knew he was going to Jerusalem, they said, no. And Jesus so well, you know, that happens to me all the time. And people understand that you're mine. You may not have a place <clears throat> to lay your head. And that's really true. So if you really understand what it means to follow me. Do you really understand the cost of coming to follow me. Do you really understand that if you're really going to follow me. You're really going to deny yourself. You're really going to take up your cross. You're really going to follow me. It will have implications for your own lives. I'm calling you. To come, and I'm calling you to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. I'm calling you to love your enemies. I'm calling you to turn the other cheek. I'm calling you to forgive. None of those are easy. None of those are painless. All of those require what it appears to be sacrifice. Change in the context of your own life. be willing to to really follow after me to be conformed to my image to 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 know what it means to follow me in our own day do you know what it means to follow me in the context of sexuality and marriage and family do you know what it means to follow me do you know what it means to follow me in the context of generosity i was reading the other day a fantastic i'm not i don't really believe most statistics that i Read, what do they say? 62% of all statistics are made up on the spot. Um, but, 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 but I read that per capita giving by Christians to the church, however that's defined, is lower today than it was during the Great Depression. And I, I find that astounding. And, and Jesus said, you want to follow after me? I'm calling you to be generous. I'm calling you to give. Uh, this pre-Jesus standard was 10%. And I think, wow, if, if they could do that in the old covenant before Jesus came, my goodness, how should we give today? And so Jesus says, you want to come and follow me? Well, it has implications in the context of your life. Please understand what that means. And part of that implication is that, that, that you're going to run counter to sort of culture. And the culture may ostracize you and may turn you away. And there may be real social and economic and even physical. They may kill you. Oh, Cost to that, you really want to follow me. Second one comes to Jesus. You notice how it is. Jesus actually calls him the first man. There was no direct call that we know of from Jesus. He just sort of said, I'll follow you. But the second one is very explicit. Jesus said, follow me. And, and he said, this second person says, um, uh, let me first go and bury my father. And then Jesus said this idiomatic phrase, let the dead bury their own dead. Interesting expression. You just get the sense he means somebody else can take care of that. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Jesus said there's an urgency here. If you want to follow me, there's an urgency here. Now, it is, for me, commendable. If I heard somebody didn't tend to their father's funeral, I would think lesser of them, right? Uh, that's just an important thing. It's family, it's father. So so you tend to your people. You tend to your family. And some would say that, that 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 this man was simply giving an excuse. His dad really wasn't close to death. He was just older. He was going to die someday. And the man was just saying, well, someday... After my father dies, I'll come and follow you. Perhaps others say that his father had indeed died, but in those days, it could be a year-long process until the whole funeral situation was completed. Uh, and, and and so it was, uh, anyway, it's a, a period of time. And, and Jesus says, no, you come come now and follow me. You see, that's shocking, and that's exactly what Jesus wants to be here. He wants to be shocking here. Um, just like, I don't know, if you listened, I'm sure you did, to the passage I read from Luke chapter 14 earlier in the service. Um, I'm sure by now you realize all these readings are related. Now great, verse 25, now great crowds accompanied Jesus and he turned to them and said, if anyone comes to me and doesn't hate his own father and mother and wife and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus, we're supposed to love all these people. I mean, there's commands, explicit commands, that we're to love these people. And of course, there are, and we should. And that wasn't Jesus' point, that we shouldn't love them. But he's saying, I'm preeminent. Everything is in submission to me. Right? You love your family out of obedience to me. You don't love your family so that you don't have to be obedient to me. So you love your family out of, why do you love your parents? If you say, I love my parents because I think it's a good idea, that's idolatry. But if you love your parents because God said to love your parents, that's godly. You're following him. You see the difference. So why would Jesus be so stark here? Well, he's trying to make a point. He's saying everything is in submission to me. Everything is secondary to me. I'm preeminent over all things. I take prominence, uh, prominence, uh, prominence over everything. And so follow, follow me. You know, family can really become an idol to us and dictate our lives. And we can, a man can love presumably his wife and his children so much and want to provide for them so well and to give them so many things. He can actually work too much at the expense of the relationship. We can find spouses wanting to love so much that they may do that which is illegal or unethical or ungodly for the other. There are situations where a husband may come to me and say, you know, I would desire to profess faith in Christ, but, but my wife would go crazy if I did that. Or a wife saying to me, I'd love to profess faith in Jesus and, and trust him, but but, but but my husband will never stand for that. Or kids, well, what if I believe in Jesus? What will happen in the context of my family? And of course, there's, there's, there's ways to do that. We're to be respectful, wives to husbands and children to parents and all of that. But, but, but still, Jesus, I think, would say, trust me, believe me, profess me, because that's following me takes precedence over all things. And that's that's his point. He takes that which is most precious to us. What could be more profoundly emotional, sentimental, obligatory than burying your father? He says, I, I need to teach you something about the kingdom of God. It takes precedence over everything. By the way, please tend to your parents. That's not the point. Third one comes to Jesus and says, I'll follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. We get what Jesus is saying. He says, don't look back. There's something about this going home that's a looking back, right? Remember Lot's wife? Bad idea. Looking back, right? You get the sense that this looking back is a looking back with fondness, a looking back. That says, oh, I wish I could still be there. And it isn't just friends and family and all that. That he's, he's looking back. But there's a life there. A life without Christ there. A life that, that, that he longs for there. And Jesus said, no, don't, 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 don't do that. You might remember. Remember Elijah and Elisha, two prophets, Old Testament. When Elijah was uh, ending his tour of duty as prophet, uh, God said, that Elisha would replace him. So he comes to Elisha and he says, you're the next prophet. And Elisha says, can I go back and kiss my parents goodbye? And, 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 and Elijah says, sure, go. Well, why did Elijah say that? And Jesus doesn't. Well, if you follow the Elijah-Elisha story through, what happens is Elisha goes home, kisses his parents, and he, he takes his 12 yoke of oxen that he uses to make his living and he takes the yoke and starts a fire with him and he burns and he sacrifices his oxen, has a big party, feeds everybody and leaves. His intention was never to stay. His intention was to get rid of everything that was his former life and come and follow Jesus. Now again, the point isn't leave all your old friends and all that and never talk to them again. That's not the point. The point is that this is a new identity a new life don't look back at the old life with longing you know sometimes when we share our testimony sometimes I've, I've heard testimonies of people and they spend 45 minutes telling me about their old life and rather reveling in it and two minutes about telling, them, telling me about how they came to faith and I get the sense sometimes, not always, sometimes that Wow! They really liked that old life. They really missed that old life. And, and Jesus said, "No, no, no, no." Let me read again. Another, Martin Lloyd Jones, very quickly. I'll end with this sort of. He says, "Now, if you understand these things, this will appear to you, appeal to your logic. If you really believe that you have a soul and that it's lost." And if you believe it is lost because it conforms to the world and the flesh and the devil. If you believe that if you die that you go to hell and spend eternity in misery. If you believe that the Son of God has so loved you that he left the glory and courts of heaven and divested himself of this glory and was born a babe. If you you believe that he lived as a man and endured the shame, the agony and the death, the cross, the burial... And all that's involved If you believe that he did all that to save you To redeem you from the world Then can you still look with longing eyes Upon the world that led you to all that? Can, can, you think, can you still hanker after The things that ruined your soul And produced the death of the Son of God? Where's your logic? Where's your fairness? Where's your common sense? This is what our Lord was saying to this young man And he was saying something further He said You think you want to go back and have a farewell party and then uh, will come after me? I know you better than you know yourself. If you go back, you will still enjoy that party that you'll never come after me. You, You start playing with it and dabbling with it. It's no good. You've seen something of what I've got, but you have not seen the utter wrongness of all the rest and turned your back upon it and said, I don't want it anymore. Then once you go home and begin to toy with it, You'll be back in the midst of it again. That was his word. I don't know about you. But I can teeter on all of these. I can be so presumptuous just to say, you know, I'll follow you anywhere. And then I get in a particular place and I say, God, this is too hard. Or or I can say, let me let me tend over here to this good thing. So that I don't have to do that. Or, or, or God, let me, let me just go back. Let me just, let me just fantasize about it. Let me, let me think about it. What life would be like in that. And the word of Jesus keeps coming and says, no, 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 no. Bill, do you know what I've called you to? Do you know what I've called you to? Do you know who I am? Walk with me. Follow me. Come with me. You say, how do you do that? Well, to go back, in fact, I should read this to you. In Isaiah chapter 50, which speaks of Jesus setting his face like flint. Here's how how Jesus did it. It says, verse 7 of Isaiah 50, he says, But the Lord God helps me, therefore I have not been disgraced, Therefore, I've set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. He who, who will contend with me. Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. And then he says this. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light. Trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. If we can put it like this, Jesus was able to set his face and to go through the cross because he trusted his father. He trusted that his father would vindicate him. He trusted his father had a good plan. He trusted his father would be with him. And you know what? His father was. And you may say, Oh, that's great. But I I wish I had something tangible. I wish I had something I could feel. I wish I had something I could see that would really, really enable me to, 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 to know that this is really true. And we have it. It's right here the night that Jesus was betrayed he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said set my face my father will not abandon me so this is my body which is given to you and in the same way he took the cup And again, after giving thanks, this too, he gave to his disciples. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. What we remember here, yes, is that Jesus died for our sins. Yes, that he rose again. But we realize, too, he set his face and his father was gracious to vindicate him, and we set our face and we trust him. You know, Jesus said, "Whoever leaves everything and follows me, he'll have a hundred times more in this life and in the life to come." See, this isn't an empty game. When when Jesus said, "What does it profit a man uh, to, to gain the whole world and lose his soul?" The converse of that is that it does profit a man to deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow him. And God will show himself faithful to satisfy. You know, it is true that when Jesus calls a man and a woman and a child, he bids him. To come and live. Let's pray. Father. Pray for me for us. If we believe that. We trust you. And I pray that. As we come to this table on this day. That you would use these elements. That are common to us. Plain to us. That you would use them in such a way. That you would increase our faith. That we would know the worth of Jesus. That we would know the treasure of the kingdom of God. And we would know that it is worth everything. And nothing that we give up, sacrifice to follow, is worth anything. Compared to this. Enable us God to persevere. And to live. And this we pray in Jesus name.